A word from our sponsor, Von Seger Designs is a small Nebraska custom woodworking business making hand-burned customized wood pieces to be a statement in any room. Working with clients every step of the way, from hand-selecting the wood to customizing the design Von Segrin Designs, makes the process as smooth as possible. Specializing in items from themed bar carts and tables to cutting boards and signs so that you can show your team pride all year round. Show your Husker support in a unique and functional way. When you work with Von Segrin Designs, you support small businesses throughout the region. Allow Von Segrin Design to create a custom, fresh, hand-burned piece wood for your home or business. You can link up with them at V-O-N-S-E-G-G-E-R-D-N-E-S-I-1 and at V-O-N-S-E-G-G-E-R-N underscore designs. So check them out on Facebook and Twitter and uh, Instagram as well. Uh, go Big Red, and uh, let's start the podcast. to throw down toward the goal line going up ball tipped in the air touchdown Jordan Westerkamp Nebraska wins the game on the final play of the contest oh baby far side back to throw is Martinez now being chased throws it out a flat Burkhead makes a catch sets a tackle 25-20 Rex Burkhead touchdown Nebraska Everybody, what's going on? Zach with uh, Church of the Corn here doing the special Saturday morning service. We got a lot to talk about today. A lot of games, a lot of really good close games in college football. Some Nebraska stuff. Um, and it's a New Year's show or New Year's Eve show. So hopefully everybody gets to uh, experience that nice and safe and get yourself a drive it or night if you're going to drink which some of you are so be safe but a lot of really good college football games since i'd say well the entire bowl season for one but i don't know if you guys checked the oregon north carolina game i actually really wanted to break that down last week just because a lot of things with with both those teams oregon oregon is still Oregon even even with all the transition from Cristobal the landing that team still has that that personality where they're just trying to thump you every every down it's it's the SEC West that's how they want that team to be built and it's built it's built damn good you know with what with what that staff did with Bo Nix transfer from Auburn it's it's impressive. It it's really impressive because I remember Auburn fans were trying to run his ass out of town, and they did. 
um uh I'm trying to think the goddamn coach UCF's coach um Malzahn yeah under Malzahn you'd think that Nix was the worst quarterback in the world and granted down there uh you know the system that he played in in Auburn it didn't necessarily fit his strengths it did um show a lot of his weaknesses but Nix since you know going to the Pac-12 has been a damn impressive quarterback i mean granted the game against oregon state he got he got thumped pretty good so you could tell he, he was he was not 100 percent um especially in the second half when they ended up blowing a giant lead but you he looked better this game um got a cannon he's actually coming back for another year so oregon fans you gotta think they're gonna be a top 10 team next year at least preseason um, you got to think that's that's just what it is at this point. Um, experienced returning quarterback. The line it line is just insane up there. I'm so jealous of what um, Oregon has as far as line play. And then let's not forget, there were two, three former Nebraska guys playing in that bowl game. Coach Tuioti, uh, Casey Rogers, and Rogers, and damn it, I can't think of the other one's name. Um, I know it was another D tackle. Riley, Jordan Riley. There we go. Oof. But yeah, um, great defensive line play by that team as well. I guess uh, I, I honestly didn't think. Damn it! Um, losing Tuioti would be as big of a hit as it ended up being. Um, I knew Tuioti was a good coach, so I will never take that away from him. I always thought he was a good coach. Um, seemed to be able to maximize, and honestly, his time in Nebraska, while it being short, was pretty damn productive with what he was able to do and when leaving the coaches he had or the players he had follow him to his next stop um, and was able to get a ton of production out of those two guys. Uh, you know, Rogers was injured quite a bit here at Nebraska. Starting to wonder if some of these guys that were constantly nicked up um, maybe goes back to a little bit more of the, of the speed and condition or yes, yeah, speed and conditioning programming, nutrition, some of the reasons some of those changes were made this offseason. Um, and it could just be a change of scenery as well. Pac-12 football is a little bit different. Um, and it was a Pac-12 team versus an ACC team. Not two overly physical teams. Usually in the Big Ten, you're taking the constant thumping of your Iowa, your um, Wisconsin's, Ohio State's, Michigan's on a week-to-week basis. So, you know, damn thrill. But getting back to it, uh, and, and also I wanted to bring this up: they the running back uh, Irving transfer from Minnesota. So I guess those running backs do just pop up all over the place. Uh, he looked damn good. Um, I think his name is Bucky. Nickname was Bucky, but I had to call him Bucko. 
at Minnesota because of, uh, you know, Badger things. So um, let's bump on to the next game. I, I fell asleep because I'm an old man during that game, but it was a hell of an ending, especially when it double doinked um, for Oregon to win that game. Uh, Kansas and Arkansas. How the hell did Arkansas let this shit happen? And it went to, I think it was double over, triple overtime. Absolute insanity. And then the last play of the game was just a throw out, out of the end zone. Really bad way for that game to end. But hey, it is what it is. Better to be lucky than good sometimes. I would not have thought that game would have put up a combined 108 points. But hey, I mean, what are you going to do? Uh, let's see. Texas Tech, Ole Miss. I really thought Ole Miss was going to show up. They did not. They shit the bed. Um, next one, Tech or yeah, Texas and Washington. <coughs> uh, Sark's a fucking psychopath. Number one, but good for Washington. Uh, DeBoer is a is a hell of a coach, especially what he did the first year there. I guess first year flips can happen. So, uh, um, hopefully for right or uh, rule, uh, Oklahoma, Florida State game a lot closer than it should have been, especially with what you know. It it was an ugly game, um, really ugly. And on namesake alone, Oklahoma versus Florida State, that's a don't miss game. But it, it wasn't a good matchup. It wasn't a good game. Um, Syracuse, Minnesota, good on Minnesota. Uh, Mo Ibrahim is a running back that I absolutely love the way he plays the game. He's a dude that when he tore his Achilles last year, I was a little bit pissed off that he came back this year. And... Not because I'm a Nebraska fan, and I I don't want to see Mo Ibrahim tear up that defense again, which he's done his entire career. Just just so we're clear, um, but he's a guy that I think is an NFL player, and I don't want to see a guy waste a year in college when he could be getting paid to do the same thing. Um, and my, Mo Ibrahim was one of those guys that <clears throat> you tear an Achilles your chances of not coming back are high. Your chances of not coming back to be the same athlete are very high. Somehow he was able to come back and be Mo. Um, Looked phenomenal all year. So happy to see that guy, uh, you know, get into the league. Um, Just an impressive player. One of my favorite ones to, to watch. Um, you know, Syracuse losing the defensive coordinator, Tony White to Nebraska. Yes. Um, it, you know, it went, I, I said, Hey, Nebraska fans, watch this, watch this game. So you can see what a three, three, five looks like. What I'm implying is you may see him line up in 50 different formations. Cause that's what you can do with a three, three, five. Nobody since I probably, um, West Virginia has ran a traditional 3-3-5. Mm-hmm. 
where you've literally got your three down linemen, your three linebackers, and your five defensive backs. There's some sort of mesh moving, and you're basically using it to switch up your formations as much as possible, which they did They did a, a decent job of it. So um, last night, whoa. I think starting in the morning, yep, it was Maryland, North Carolina State, close game. I, you know, I gotta wonder what the hell happened to uh, Tulia Tungavailoa because last year he was lights out, and you know, watching the game yesterday, dude, dude couldn't hit water if he fell out of a boat. Um, really strange because you can't blame the receiving core. Um, just did not understand what the hell happened with 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 that quarterback. But they they still won the game. Um, impressive to beat number twenty three North Carolina State. I believe O'Leary transferred to Kentucky, the former starting quarterback in North Carolina State. So, you know, still a great win beating a top twenty five team. Nebraska hasn't done that in a while. So I don't want to take anything away from them. Um, always pains me to see North to, or uh, Notre Dame, fucking idiot, uh, win a game beating South Carolina. Um, I guess that Satterfield offense, you know, came to Nebraska with him. So hopefully we could uh, kind of replicate that here. Um, really, really uh, back and forth game. I hate Notre Dame, so I guess good for them for a win. Um, Pitt, UCLA, insane game, back and forth. You know, I guess no lead is safe in college football because I think there was like 35 seconds left when Pitt got the ball at their 20 and ended up winning the game. I didn't think that was possible, but hey. I, crazier shit has happened, I, I guess. Um, last night's game, Tennessee, Clemson. I heard a lot of people saying that Clemson's dynasty is done. No, they're still number seven in the country. They lost. Now, granted, it wasn't a close game. Um, Tennessee was a far superior team last night. You could tell the speed um, on the on the line, that defensive line especially, but that that defense for Tennessee was able to close quick. You could tell Klubik, um, while while being a real young, I mean, he's a freshman. Um, he looked pretty good for that being his first start. I mean, you're starting against a number six team in the country, technically on the road, um, although it says it's at Clemson. Uh, is it the Orange Bowl? You know, he looked damn good. And, I mean, he should. He was the number one dual-threat quarterback in the country coming out. You have to – I mean, the, the biggest thing for me was they, they really got away from the run game. And not with uh, Shipley, but uh, Mafa. Uh, you know, he's a big 230-pound running back that every time he was touching the ball, he was able to hit a crease straight ahead north-south um and, and get a, an average of probably five to six yards so that that's what you want because Tennessee is is a fast defense so going east and west 
you're asking to get shut down. That's what they do. They flow very well. So by doing that, you set yourself up for failure. Uh, you know, that zone read game and the RPO game, it ended up working pretty well uh, with uh, Club Clubneck. I can't get his fucking name right. Um, it really started showing the legs and being able to pick up a first down at will. He's he's a freshman. Uh, that is his team going into next year. So I, I don't think the uh, Clemson dynasty is over. That Tennessee team was incredibly good, led by Joe Milton, who had apparently one of the best arms in college football. I did not realize his arm was that good, but it was bionic. So good good for uh, Milton for getting the last win for Tennessee and going on to whatever his future may be. Let's get to the games today. I am so excited for today. As you start off at 11 a.m. with number five, Alabama, versus number nine, Kansas State. I've got a buddy that's a Kansas State alum, and he, he was real nervous about this game. And I said, hey, you don't have to worry. It's not, an, it's not a playoff game. Alabama doesn't show up to these games. I have to wonder if this is going to be a different, more pissed off Alabama than we've seen in these games that aren't playoff games. Um, number five, so they just missed out. You got to think that Alabama is going to try to impose their will early. But how do they react if it gets into a rock fight with Kansas State? Which I think, I think it's going to turn into a rock fight. I think Kansas State's going to do a lot of things that they need to do to hold on to the ball. And let's not act like Kansas State's not a talented team. They are. Uh, with Deuce Vaughn, I don't know if it's Will Howard at quarterback or if it's Adrian Martinez. But, hey, Adrian. Good, th- good for you for making a bowl game and a pretty goddamn big one at that. You know, I, I, I think Kansas State will do enough to keep it close. I think Alabama will pull it out in the end. I do think they have better athletes. I don't think that's any question. But I think Kleiman will do enough to be able to keep this team in the game um, and, and match wits with Saban, who is one of the best of all time. I do want to break down... ESPN had a uh, quote yesterday about Kirby Smart. So I want to break that down after I want to go. I go through the bowl games. Um, So that's an 11 a.m. game. Next one is Iowa, Kentucky at 11 a.m. as well. So I'm going to be honest with you guys. I'm only going to be watching this one on commercial breaks. Not because it's an Iowa team playing. I, I want the Big Ten to, to, to win every game. So if I can get Big Ten across the board, thumbs up in my book. Um, You know, it's it's uh, I don't know who the hell Iowa's even starting at quarterback. Uh, I know Levis for Kentucky is gone to uh, the pros. So don't know who's going to be doing anything there. Uh, I, I might check it out. I, I, I do hope Iowa wins. Um, I would like to see Iowa's offensive line play get back to where it is. You know it's going to be a low-scoring game. I I just remembered seeing something on Twitter that 
this game is projected to be one of the lowest um, totals in, in bowl game history or something like that. So that's that's pretty interesting. Um, I guess it's going to be Iowa and Iowa's defense and special teams that wins this game. I think we can all agree on that. But probably the one time you'll ever hear me say this, go Iowa, beat Kentucky. And then we've got the playoff games. I've gone back and forth, and I know I did a full breakdown on this on these two games a couple weeks back. I'm going back and forth. I can't tell if if I think these are going to be closer blowouts. So I'm going to go with what I what I went with originally. I do think uh, Michigan ends up kind of thumping. Now I'm going to I'm going to say Michigan pulls away second half like they have traditionally done all, all year. I feel like Ohio State is going to keep this one closer than 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 originally thought. I think Ohio State could fuck around and win this one. So I would not be terribly upset to get a Ohio State-Michigan National Championship. Being a Big Ten guy, that's what we want, right? So I wouldn't be terribly upset to see that. Um, would be interesting to see if... Uh, Ryan Day could get over the hump against Harbaugh in a national championship game. Never thought I'd say that, but here we are. So big game, big, uh, big slate of games starting at 11 a.m. today, Alabama, K-State, Iowa, Kentucky, TCU, Michigan, Ohio State, Georgia. Don't miss it. It's a perfect day for college football. I'm so excited for it. You should be too. Um, ESPN. Uh, had mentioned this yesterday that Kirby Smart is one, it, no, 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 is the best coach in college football right now. Ah, uh, he's not. He's not. But that doesn't mean he's not a top five head coach, not a top three head coach in college football. Because, and here's my reasoning behind it. I've got Saban number one, which I could be doing a little bit of legacy here, but he's still got the number five coach, in the, or he's still got the number five team in the nation, even with the losses that they had this year. And let's not act like his losses this year were blowouts either. They were, were pretty close losses. I'm not going to, you know, give a participation trophy for a loss, but. Let's just call it what it is. It's still the number five team in the country. And then they go out, and I think they were far and away the number one recruiting class in the country, pulling in quite a few number one recruits in their position groups. Typical Alabama shit. So, Saban's still number one. I, And he's far and away number one. I don't know... I, I, I don't know if ESPN was doing it for clicks or what, but they got my attention with that. Um, number two for me, regardless of that game last night, it's still Dabo, and I hate Dabo. I can't stand him. Um, But he wins. He gets his team up and ready to go. Dabo is still, for me, number two. 
I've got smart at three. And I will say, if smart's team, obviously Georgia, can pull off what only three teams in um, the history of college football have done, Nebraska, USC, and Alabama, winning back-to-back national championships, it might have to be a 2A, 2B with Dabo Smart. I know that's cheating it, but it is what it is. But that's that's your that's got to be the the top three, I would assume. Um, there are some other very good coaches out there, but you know, your day. He's in my top five. Harbaugh's up there. Um, if Urban Urban was still coaching, Urban's got to be up there, but he's not, so we'll take him out. There, there's a ton of of good coaches out there. But right now, there's only one goat, that, and he's still coaching the game. Um, Saban is, like I said, far and away my number one. The only one that that is in in his ballpark right now, like I said, is is Dabo, um, who has built an in in incredibly successful and consistent program down at, at um, Clemson. They missed on DJ Ungolele, but. They've they've got their guy, I believe. Um, you, you've you've seen what happened last night, though, with Clemson when they've got an incredibly talented guy at quarterback, but he doesn't have the experience. And if he doesn't necessarily have the experience around him, you kind of seen how much is placed on that quarterback in that offense to orchestrate things. And 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 I all say make a little magic happen. Um, I think we'll see a lot more of it next year. So um, that kid having a full off season, it's going to be, it's going to be impressive to see what they can do with him. I wouldn't be shocked if Clemson opens as, as one of the top four teams next year, of course, Um, anything out of there would kind of shock me. Uh, You're going to have a talented top four next year, but he said Saban, it's got to be number one. I, I don't see any other way around it. Um, and then Dabo smarts right there. Brian Kelly's got to be up there. Whittingham's got to be a top 10 coach. Riley's probably top 10, but yeah, that's, it was just something that kind of made my brain hurt when I heard it. And so I wanted to make you guys' brain hurts hurt as well. Um, doing a little bit of switching over to Nebraska, um, a lot, a lot going on, um, you know, starting with something that's unfortunate. Uh, Colton Feist, defensive tackle, not returning. Uh, wish that young man well. Appreciate him busting his ass for the university. But wish that young man well in and, and, and future success and, and endeavors. Um, you know, you had the Dylan Riola decommit which is news to Nebraska's ears. It's it's just kind of funny how quickly everything has transpired with that situation in the public, if you will, and now everything's kind of going on behind closed doors, if you will. Um, you know, it sucked when he committed to Ohio State. A lot of Ohio State friends uh, and, and buddies on, on Twitter and such 
And uh, I'll say the same thing then that I say now. He's a hell of a quarterback with a hell of an arm who plays the quarterback position as well as anybody we've seen. Um, a lot of throws on the run, a lot of off, off, off platform throws, which look great when you hit them all the time, but when you don't, ends up in a pick. We've seen that quite a bit at Nebraska. Um, but he's, he's an extremely talented kid who can make every throw in the book and makes it look easy. You had the decommit there, and then you see Nebraska's chances just grow and grow and grow. And, and you know, you got Willie Trumpets who said he, he thinks he's going to commit to Nebraska. I, I do as well. Um, I don't think it'll be anything soon. I think he wants to make sure everything is in place um, structure-wise with this university and, and, and staff, of course, to make sure that he's stepping into the best situation for himself because at the end of the day, the impo- most important is number one. I got to look out for myself. So I'm not going to put myself in a position to jeopardize a career because he's he's a kid that's got all the talent to go pro. Um, what happens in the four years of college or three years of college will be what it is, but he's got all the talent to be a professional quarterback. So um, it, it'll be interesting to see when his decision comes out. I wouldn't expect anything till sometime, maybe first quarter of next year, possibly, um, maybe even further. Um, Cam Lenhart, or Cameron Lenhart, the def- defensive end, defensive tackle, all wherever you want to play and player, um, is set to announce on January 3rd. I think Nebraska is in a very good spot. So Nebraska fans with him and All-American cornerback Ethan Nation also will be announcing at his All-Star game. I think we're going to be pretty happy on January 3rd. I think both will be uh, committing to Nebraska based on a couple things seen and all that fun stuff. Um, good news for Big Ten. Commissioner Kevin Warren might be going to the to be the next president of the Chicago Bears. I know Warren got a lot of shit for how he handled the COVID situation, and he should have. Um, I don't think anyone handled it worse, but I'm not going to dive any further into that. I will say the Big Ten got paid with a $7 billion deal. So... You can't say his tenure was a complete failure. Um, wasn't good, but um, if he does take that that position with the Bears, uh, good on him. Uh, one of the most historic organizations in the National Football League. Um, he was he was already an executive with the Vikings previously and instrumental in helping to get their uh, new facility built, I believe. So, you know, he, he's a damn good businessman, um, and, and hey, good on him. Uh, a couple more things on Nebraska. Bob Wager, or Wager, I, I got to figure out how to say that last name, but one of the most well-respected coaches in Texas football, um, Arlington, Texas, was where he coached previously, Set to join the staff. I mean, so Matt Rule himself is a 
very revered coach in Texas with his time spent down at Baylor, building relationships and, and previous at previous stops as well. Um, you know, with Rule having those connections and now Coach Wake, Waker or Wager um, also having those connections, that is what Nebraska has been missing is having that pipeline to Texas football. And you can't say that, and I put this up on Twitter a few weeks back, why hasn't Nebraska been successful in Texas? Because they haven't fucking tried. If you don't try, you can't be successful. It's not possible. Now that you've got multiple guys that are well-respected in Texas, having these connections helps build that pipeline that Nebraska has been missing since the Bow days. There are so many thousands of players in in Texas that aren't even being looked at, it seems like. Um, that's that's a, a much-needed pipeline, and I'm so glad that these guys have, have realized that's what's been missing, one of the many things that's been missing. But the connections that they've got down there now, you're going to see the recruiting at Nebraska somehow. It's... They've always been a top 25 traditionally recruiting program. Sometimes you'll be at 30. Sometimes you'll be at 20. But traditionally, you're, you're, you're a top 25 on average program. I honestly think with this coaching staff, you could see this team and program ratcheted up to honestly a top 15 recruiting program. With the moves that they're making, now, granted, there's a lot of there's a lot of unknown here. A lot of these coaches, um, especially like we'll just go on the offensive and defensive lines, are younger guys, um, not the most experienced guys in the world. Players have come out and said nothing but great things about them, especially with uh, Coach Knighton with the uh, Panthers. You know when Brian Burns and and um, I believe it's Derek Thomas or Derek Thompson. Shit. Derek Brown's. God damn. Sorry about that. Derek Brown, one of the best young defensive tackles in the game. I talked about him a couple weeks back. When you've got these guys coming out and speaking for you, I guess my exact thing was how much impact did he have on directly coaching these guys or how involved was he? When you got guys coming out that are all pro and all rookie and, and different things like this coming out and saying, hey, yeah, no, he was instrumental in, in getting us to, you know, the level we're at. That's all I need to hear. Um, that proves to me that he can coach. And Rule is given is has, has a a track record of giving these young guys the the rope and everything that they need to to get the experience. And it's paid off traditionally. So I'm gonna I'm gonna trust uh, Coach Rule here on this one, um, and elevating a top top level coach like this to his staff i believe who is the tight end and special teams coach or co um but i'm excited to see what happens with that i think it, it doesn't hurt when you can get more pipelines to texas going um philip simpson a uh, assistant defensive line coach brought on with a nice connection to florida as well so the florida commits that we had we, we got during COVID, the four to five, as, as they were called. It 
with the amount of transfers that have happened in this program the last few years, I don't believe at all it's a Florida thing. I don't believe that it's these kids are soft. It's you're not winning. You don't want to stick around a winning program when you're given no hope that things are going to turn around. And it seems like outside of a culture fit, you know, Lincoln, Nebraska is is very different than quite a few places in Florida, climate-wise, entertainment-wise, population-wise. So there's some huge differences. When you're up here in the middle of a pandemic, when football gets shut down and and all the things that went into that, um, it was destined to fail at that time. I feel like this staff, you know, will be able to remedy the situation um, by running it like an actual program and not a frat house. Um, I, I think some of the players that we've talked to are ready um, and I've had conversations with have, have alluded to that these guys want to be here. These guys are happy to be here. These guys are excited to be here. So these things that these coaches are saying are 100% genuine. They want to do this, but they feel like they have a responsibility to the state and to this fan base. It's it's refreshing to hear that. Um, you could tell that that they want this to happen. So it's it's exciting to see that. Um, you know, uh, Coach Evan Cooper who's been with rule for 10 years now, I believe followed him quite a few stops along the way. You know, those guys, the connection that they've got is, is incredible. Um, you know, coach Cooper is, uh, this is from uh, on three and Husker online. I believe, you know, rule says that coach Cooper's a guy that sends him prospects at three in the morning. Hey, you got to check this guy out. We got to look at this guy. I mean, with what we've got in that defensive back room, Having a guy like Evan Cooper there gets me very excited for his eye for talent and putting guys in a position to be successful in his room. Um, You're going to have a lot of hybrid guys bouncing in that positionless defense. Um, It's it's a kind of defense that Nebraska's personnel is, is fit for. They've got a lot of hybrid bodies that don't necessarily fit one position or another. So if I can get that guy in a position to play, regardless of position, he's not a safety, he's not a linebacker, he's not a nickel. Hey, he's he's one of our defensive backs out there. If I can move him around and get him in a position to be successful, that's what you want. So I think that's more of what we can expect to see this this upcoming season. Um, the The kind of funny thing was Cooper said that Prior to last week, he had not met defensive coordinator Tony White. But some of the things that they can tell they've got in common, they both love football and solid defensive football, to be specific. Cooper, you know, has had some uh, background with coaching three down linemen prior at Baylor, but mentioned that that's what you want. You can get in and out of fronts. You can change the box count. You can go even. You can go odd. You can be multiple. You're keeping the offense on their toes or on their heels at that point. You you don't want them. You, you want them constantly guessing. Um, 
And that's what, to me, that's what that three, three, five is, is, is perfect for is constantly keeping these guys on their guessing and not knowing what's coming next. Um, I, I'm excited for that. And here's one thing that this staff really has going for them. They said, if they ever get a logo or name on their chest that watch out, look what they're, look what they've got going in such a short time. And next summer, they're also going to have that new $160 million football facility located in North Stadium um, to be able to show to these recruits. Right now, they've been able to show them, hey, this is what to expect. This is what we've got. But what they are going to have is going to be on your pa- on par with the top universities in the country, which is, is lacking right now. Um, if you want to get these kids, right now we're in a college football arms race. So you can either, you know, jump into it head first, or you can say, well, we're going to wait back here and see what happens. No offense, but we're kind of seeing this. uh, This is one comparison I will make with, with Iowa here. Iowa hasn't fully dove into the NIL market um, as, as much as some other universities have. And that's, it's not calling them out. That's just saying a fact. They haven't fully embraced it, but it's not an Iowa thing. That's not really an Iowa culture. You know, in Iowa is you get a kid, you develop him, you develop him for three, four years. You get him in as a red shirt junior. There you go. You get two years out of him, Um, but they maximize NIL market, not traditionally known as a maximization thing, but it's also only been around for a couple of years. So, they're starting to dive into it, but I think that's part of the reason that Proctor left. Um, I, I know the, another bit of the reasoning was, you know, he said he didn't want to be, sur- I can't remember what it is. I don't want to misquote him, but surrounded by lesser talent is kind of how I took it. Um, I think it's, I think it will cost them guys, but I also know that I was not traditionally a program that would recruit those guys, the the four and five star guys, unless it's a local kid, which Proctor was. Um, I do think they're going to have to dive into it a little bit more than they are to be able to be successful in the high school recruiting market. Now, the majority of their class will be what it what it traditionally is, and I don't think NIL is really going to affect that as much. Um, they are still going to be a developmental school. But I think for a lot of those local kids that are on Proctor's level or anywhere near it, they'll have to kind of open up the pocketbook as far as NIL goes. So, you know, that's one thing that Nebraska hasn't shied away from is they have fully embraced the NIL market. Um, They fully embraced the transfer portal. They've, you know, you can't say it's been too, too much team success individual success yes um with with palmer and and ocean and you know individual success yes the nil and transfer portal has been great for nebraska but on field success yeah it hasn't been honestly you haven't seen the results you wanted but i think that goes above the players that's been a coaching issue um not thinking that these players were always necessarily put in the best positions to be competitive or successful. I don't think we'll be seeing that going forward. Um, 
there was a great video that I shared. Uh, my, my buddy Corey sent it over to me a couple weeks back about um, Baylor's scheme under under Matt Rule and what to expect in the RPO system. It's about 20 to 25 minutes, um, but it's a phenomenal watch with, with different plays and the concepts and, hey, if you see this, then make this adjustment. If you see this, do this. Um, if it's a zone, throttle down here. Just a lot of really good conceptual football that most of us don't get to see um, that aren't you know involved in the game. Um, it's, it's really fun being able to break down those kind of videos and, and watch them and get that knowledge. So, uh, if you haven't gotten a chance, I'd really recommend it just to see some of the concepts that'll be coming based off that RPO system. Um, how they, how they utilize numbers in the box as opposed to, okay, if we set up this kind of formation here, it's, it's, it's a really good watch. I'd highly recommend it. Um, I, I think this the staff is definitely going to be putting a lot of these guys in, in the right positions. And just a few transfers like Ben Scott, most likely will be the starting center. Um, you've got a guy like Josh Fleeks who didn't make quite the impact in the slot role, which is where he's traditionally been um, the, you know, the hottest under, under Matt Rule. You know, when he was his head coach, he was targeted 95 times, 69. Nice uh completions so you know he, he was previously productive under matt rule and then quarterback jeff sims you know this might be the one time you've had a true quarterback controversy not controversy competition there we go since i don't know it's it's hard to even tell anymore but jeff sims is a is a extremely physically talented quarterback um he's 6'4 220 pounds he's exactly what you want a quarterback to look like cannon arm um he's he's a dual threat guy he hasn't made the best decisions with the ball but i don't think his time at uh georgia tech did him any good with with collins is the uh, head coach and some of the positions he was put in. Um, I just don't think he was set up to be successful. I, I feel like he he'll have more weapons at Nebraska at this point. Um, I do think the coaching staff is, is markedly improved as opposed to what he had down there as well. I think if they can get, get his eyes fixed a little bit just on what he's seeing and in the process and, Okay, if you see this and make this, and and I think this offense will definitely help out. That I mean, he's the kind of guy that physically is is made for this kind of offense and what he can do. I think him and Thompson going into this offseason, I think it'll be a, a, a battle. I'm excited to see who comes out. Um, I I think right now Sims has the better legs. I think Thompson has the better arm. So I think Sims is a much more mobile guy. Um, I don't know what's going on with Hornsby yet, but, you know, that's another uh, transfer. I, I'd seen something that uh, Nebraska was third on his list. I think uh, University of Las Vegas was one. Baylor was possibly two. So, um, And then Nebraska three for Hornsby. But um, once again, you know, Sims is a guy that physically has got it all there, but 
can he put it up together upstairs? If he can, Sims wins this. Sim, Sims will be your starting quarterback next year. But you can't count Thompson out. He's a tough guy. Um, he can sling the ball, sometimes make some bad decisions, but for the most part, he's a pretty steady quarterback. You know what you're going to get out of him for the most part. I'd really love to see him behind an offensive line that can keep him upright for more than two to three seconds. If they can, Thompson's Thompson is a live dog. It would not shock me if Thompson started next year. Wouldn't. Um, but it's a it's a it's a good competition between the two. You know, I think your offensive line will be markedly better next year as well with Ben Scott at center. Um, I think Newelli will be at one of your guard spots. Um, I'm really interested at the right tackle spot. That's still that's still a spot for me that I I, I that's still a spot that's that's sticking out there. Left tackle if uh, Prohaska can come back healthy. His frame is is so big that it, it scares me at this point because this is an upper body and now lower body injury that's ended this season. I I hope for that young man to come back fully healthy. Um, he's a freak athlete. Um, and if you can lock down that left tackle spot with him being healthy, you've now got, you know, one guard and your right tackle spot to solidify. I, I just, I don't know if any offensive line coach last year would have been successful with Whipple and Frost constantly getting into a pissing match with each other. I just don't think anyone would have been, which is the reason, one of the reasons I think Raiola was retained. So, you know, I just I, – I I think with so many coaches that have offensive line coaching experience on this staff or some hand in, 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 you know, molding these kids previously, I just feel like this offensive line will get better because of the amount of attention that will be paid onto it. That's one thing you can always say about Matt Rule coached in college um, teams was – that offensive line got a lot better. And, you know, you've got Foley, I believe Satterfield coached offensive line a little bit. Um, Riola, Rule. I mean, you've got four guys right there that have a ton of offensive line coaching experience. And also when Harry Heistand, uh, who is uh, Notre Dame's offensive line coach, is endorsing your offensive line coach, as one of his students in what he coaches and how he coaches, I think I'm going to take his word that we'll be okay. Um, I think the offensive line will be better this year. I think the scheme fit, which is something we have not had. I think this team will finally start fitting a scheme. You'll be amazed at how easy it is to recruit people to a scheme and how much better a Offense looks when they've got a scheme or a defense has an actual scheme that they're playing toward. I think there's been a lot of star chase in the last few years. With what this staff is doing, it seems like they've got a game plan, and it seems like in their recruiting, you can tell what they want to do. Um, down to the body types and the athleticism. I mean, you've got Malachi, uh, Lloyd, and Turner. Uh, I would argue two of those three have world-class speed. And I would say 
Malachi is up there as well. I, I mean, so I guess you could three say three have world class speed. That is insane. But you can tell that this staff is recruiting a certain style of guy. They want him to be athletic. Give me something, someone athletic, I can mold them. But you got to have this athleticism. This isn't a height weight thing like we've seen in the past. Now you don't want an offensive lineman that's five five, four hundred pounds. So he's got to have certain measurables, but he's got to have a baseline of athleticism to work with. If you've got that, you're good. We can mold from there. You could teach technique. You can't teach athleticism past a certain point. I can help get you a little bit more athletic with the strength and conditioning program, which Campbell's fucking jacked. So I, I think he I think he knows a thing or two about throwing some weight around. Um, but everything is going to correlate with each other. The, the offensive line with the scheme, the strength and conditioning program with the nutrition. If you've got those guys right physically, mentally, they can be fixed. They can be fine. I think they can be better than fine. So I'm excited to see what happens um, with this, with this team and this off season and everything going into it. Um, I look forward to, you know, answering more of you guys' questions. Um, we had some really good ones last week that I know we didn't get to all of them. I tried to um, squeeze some of them in, sent some stuff out on Twitter as well. So um, I'm going to end the show. Um, I want to pre- I, I want to say to everybody, thank you all so much for joining me today. Um, thanks. It's been an insane year uh, for, for all of us. It's been an insane year of growth uh, for Church of the Corn from starting off as kind of a, a goof on this podcast to, you know, getting signed to a radio deal <laughs> to one of us having a big mouth and not having a radio deal anymore <laughs> um, to having over over 16,000 downloads. Like it's, it's been, it's been cool. So I appreciate all you guys um, and all the support. We've got a lot of really cool things coming um, this next year, especially in the first quarter of the year. So stay tuned. Um, thank you guys. Have a great, safe, happy new year. Um, I'm sure I'll talk to most of you throughout the day, but um, thank you guys again for all the support. Uh, this is not possible without you guys. So thank you all so much. Happy holidays. Be safe. We'll talk to you all later. Thanks again. Members of the congregation, let's raise our Kool-Aid filled glasses and drink to all the things that were, are, and forever will be Nebraska Cornhuskers. Go Big Red.